you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast. Never lost to Dallas. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis, joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy hump day. Oh, that's what it is. You're all over the days of the week. Monday's heavily on your radar, but hump day, I think, is catching catching up. Uh, some There are some people, and I... I don't necessarily agree that view Wednesday is a worse day than Monday, which is a hot take. I'm just going to say it's a hot take in the, in the preseason. Also, the days of the week get a little blurry. I know you guys are people are working on the weekends. They're the preseason games are on the weekends and it really very messes murky. up your whole bit. It's what I really need in life. More people's opinions on days. <laughs> um, today is another busy day for the show. We have uh um, news, what's going on around the NFL. That's how it got the name. Actually, it was a name that was given to us. Yeah, it actually got the name because it was the name of a television show that's no longer a on the network. And we had to change program. our name just for corporate synchronicity. And then they canceled or changed that show like a year later. These are all absolutely <laughs> true facts from Greg. I never liked the name, but now it's one of those things where it just sticks around long enough. No one even thinks anything of it. Well, we cannot change it again. I mean, we can, we continually take our brand and ex- implode it from the inside out. <laughs> it is it is quite generic, though. There's something about it that's just like it's forgettable. It's yeah. a forgettable name. It's a brutal name. In this um, amazing show, by the way, uh, Succession yes. that Dan and I are digging into. Yeah, digging in good. The it's a it's about a family that owns a, a string of media companies, but one of the major companies is ATN. The major villainous company that they're trying to take down is ATN, and I'm like, I can't quite separate from what's happening here and what's happening on an HBO fictional narrative. If we ever grow in stature uh, to be like a villainous megacorp, that 
pretends very well for our bank accounts. And I think that's the most important thing. Money is what's important, guys. That's what the money's for. That's what the money's for. All right, coming up today, yes, news. Also, it was the premiere of season, I believe, 13 of Hard Knocks uh, training camp with the Cleveland Browns. Mark on edge. Mark was at uh, Hansus Manor uh, because he doesn't have cable. <laughs> uh, so he watched it at my house, and uh, I wrote about it on the .com, but uh, a very nervous Mark Sessler uh, showed up at my house, and, and, and we're going to talk about that. And I, was I? I? There were palpable nerves okay. on your side, yeah, which I get because I know you. Not many other people would be as nervous about a football documentary show uh, as you were. But Browns fans might, but... Yeah. Not if you're rolling in with know, your little, I don't oh, know. your little sexy Rams. Hey, look at us. We're on the upswing. <laughs> I don't Mark. know. No, you're nervous. I don't know if other fans would be nervous, though, about the heart. It's more because I don't go suddenly the next day work in an accounting firm where everyone's just studying math all day. I'm doused in everyone's opinion about the show from from dawn till dusk. And there were and there were opinions about your Browns and, and certain figures within the organization. There were many moments where I cringed and I thought, I'm glad I'm not next to Mark right now. <laughs> all right. So we're going we're gonna to get to all that. Mark, you ready? I mean, I am I am prepared as much as I can be. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm here for you, buddy. Uh, and also, a little later on the show, our good buddy, um, Neil Reynolds, uh, who is a host for Sky Sports TV over in the UK. Of course, we are going to London uh, in a, just a few weeks now, so we're going to have him on. He's uh, a reporter over there, and he's been bouncing around NFL camps. So we're going to catch up with Neil, talk a little bit about our upcoming uh, trip to England and also about the league in general. So that's today's show. Uh, we welcome back now behind the glass. There she is, Lindsay Fulton, who was not devoured by a brown bear. So that's good. They're black bears, actually, black that I bears. saw. Excuse me. I uh, had some close encounters with them. Had four little cubs and a mom come up on their porch. It's pretty scary. See, I, that's what I'm talking about. We got to calm down with this camping stuff. You don't need that. Just this, a heartbeat away from tragedy. Did you offer them anything? Were you oh, hospitable? No, they, they were digging through the coolers and everything, but no one has died from a black bear attack in the Allegheny State Park. So. Are you sure? Yeah. We did the research. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that you are uh, alive and apparently you were in no danger at all because the black bears are friendly folk. Wimps. Wimps, he says. Let's do some news. No, I got a lozenge, bitch. Can you believe that that in the past three years, uh, last, I think, even two years, NFL Films has done three major productions that have revolved in part around Greg Williams and that acerbic wit. I would be stunned what? if there were, if it went to four. Can I hear that again? No, <laughs> I got a lozenge, bitch. That's that was his closing line of uh, Hard Knocks episode one. He loses his voice. He explained on the third day of camp for the past thirty years. Sure enough, it happens. Uh, someone jokingly on the sideline says, "Hey, coach, do you need a lozenge for your throat?" And he says in response, "No, I got a lozenge, bitch." <laughs> Just a real sweetheart. Players a rapport seem, builder. Players seem to like him. Yeah, That's right. the weird thing. Um, but let's get to that in a little bit. Let's start, though, with some news. And since, yes, we're, this is a hard knocks uh, day on the podcast, we'll start with the Browns uh, who drafted wide receiver Antonio Callaway. They got him on deep discount because of his troubles uh, in college. Uh, and also he failed a drug test at the scouting combine, which is not 
good. Uh, but the Browns took a flyer on him anyway because he's so talented and hoped he stay clean, stays clean. Uh, not looking good right now. He was cited for marijuana possession and driving with a suspended license by Strongsville, Ohio, police on Sunday morning. He's pulled over at 3 a.m. Uh, for failing to yield for oncoming traffic. Uh, the uh, officers discovered that the license was suspended. Small amount of weed in the car driver's seat. Callaway explained uh, uh, that it was not his. It was someone else's drugs that were in the car. And I don't know if that's going to hold up in the court of law or in the court of the NFL, which won't uh, take kindly to this, I imagine. Well, I mean, he claimed that the, well, the car was shipped from Florida to Ohio and there were trace amounts of marijuana in the car, and there were friends of his, according to him, driving the car in the interim, and it is a minor misdemeanor in Ohio. It would be not that in California. Let's start right there. But but with his past, I think that there are a couple questions. Number one, it's like you, you've lost a little bit of credibility to believe, be believed in at the outset of this. Secondly, what are you doing out at three in the morning as a rookie with a past in Cleveland who is on the doorstep to becoming a starter. I just, I, that, the, the timing, and I understand that these guys have their own lives, but it, it's just overall, like, I, you know, it reminded me of the day when Dan and I were in New York and the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. And it, you know, before we knew what that would balloon into, there was this incredible feeling of that was hope. We've taken a shutdown cornerback and we've taken Johnny Manziel if you're a Browns fan. And then the next day, Josh Gordon, the report comes down that he is out. And it was just like this entire, all the air let out of the balloon. And this was going into this hype job of hard knocks. This guy is your starting receiver yesterday morning, and the news hits. And right, it's like, because they trade. There's the timing. The, the timing is that just. It was right after the Corey it, Coleman trade, and TMZ has video where the officer uh, notes that he finds bullets and a strap for a handgun uh, in the car, and that he be, that Callaway became nervous. And normally, you're right. It wouldn't. It the backdrop is that he had a number of incidents during college that he's already in phase one of the. Uh, drug testing program, which isn't supposed to become public, I should point out, but it has been reported. And so that means, okay, is this guy getting suspended for this or not? We'll find out. This is, uh, I think this is a new trope alert. Ooh. At some time during the calendar trope year, alert. Trope alert. people start trope to ask, alert. do the Browns have the trope sneaky alert. best wide receiver core in the NFL? No, really, do they? And then a week later, people ask, who's playing wide receiver for the Browns this year? <laughs> yep, it took like about a fortnight for that entire thing to melt away. Uh, moving on. Third and three. We'll see a pickup sometime on the right side, possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Clark The San Francisco 49ers will use the 2018 season to honor a legend, Dwight Clark, who passed away in June Dwight Clark, most famous, of course, for Wes. The catch. Yeah, which you just heard, of course. Uh, his his leaping uh, grab in the back of the end zone um, at Candlestick to send the 49ers to the Super Bowl back in 1981. Uh, so this is something that I feel like sometimes you, uh, you figure, what took so long? Perfect. Perfect to have a statue that has Joe Montana, your most famous quarterback ever, and Dwight Clark making your most famous catch ever. Um, that is a cool statue, and that will be erected outside uh, Levi Stadium. The big bell bottom. Without that catch, I wonder if that stadium ever even gets built. Mm. You wonder if that dynasty ever happens because 
That catch is one of the most iconic and important plays in NFL, NFL history. It ushers in the 49ers dynasty and ushers out the Cowboys dynasty of the 70s and makes the 49ers the team of the 80s. And Dwight Clark, to me, is an interesting character in NFL history. He got on the team. Bill Walsh went down to scout Steve Fuller, the quarterback for Clemson, and Dwight Clark just happened to answer the phone. He was Steve Fuller's roommate and was basically a walk-on for the for the tryout, and Bill Walsh ended up drafting him in the 10th round. He goes on to a great career and then works in the 49ers front office, starts the new Browns front office when they're expansion team. So this guy's had a, an interesting career. I think it's a great idea for a statue. One thing, you know, this offseason we've had a lot of statue talk, and one statue that we had some questions about is the one down in Carolina where the Jerry Richardson statue is still Very impressive. Uh, front Large and center for, for whatever reason. But this statue is kind of cool. It's like they actually spatially have Montana exactly the right distance away from Clark, and Clark oh, cool. is 11 feet up in the air. Uh, as he was at the actual catch. So I think that's like, I would love to go see that in person. It's great for 49ers fans who you mentioned this stadium might never have gotten built if not for this play. I think a lot of 49ers fans kind of wish it it wasn't built because it's no longer in San Francisco. Uh, And it doesn't have the same sort of connection or feel to the 49ers fans, A, if it was in San Francisco at all, and certainly if it was Candlestick, which obviously they couldn't keep With the playing fog that. and the wind rolling it, in? You know, it's so far away. And all right, maybe this will be a little more connection. Obviously, they have like a you know, 49ers Hall of Fame and all this, but this is a little more of a connection. Well, and they've already, they're also, they've already built a Jimmy Garoppolo statue too on the other side of the stadium. <laughs> just waiting for the right moment yeah. to roll it out. Yeah. I, um, I, let me just again uh, stump for. Double statues. I call them double stats. Uh, I went to college at Northeastern University in Boston, and they have a statue of Cy Young because I guess the first World Series or something was played on the on the grounds. And on the other side, 60 feet away, is a catcher. Love it. Love that statue setup. When we went to Minute Maid Park uh, for media night a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl, they have a Craig Biggio uh, turning and doing like a double play throw to Jeff Bagwell. Mm. Double statue. More double statues, bro. Steve, the Steve Gleason statue. Not a double statue, but it, there's many different people involved in the play in the statue. So I, it, Greg, I it's not it a double it's statue. A I don't want to hear it. It's, it's also it's double one, the work for the carving community or whatever we call them. The statue. The st- the statue. No, you had it right. It is the, the carving The carving community. community. It's like, we don't need one of you. We need two, man. That's more families eating. That's more food being put on the table, Wes. <laughs> Save it for the statuary podcast. <laughs> We're already here. Uh, moving on, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, big year for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. A lot of expectations. Uh, maybe to send a message. Uh, Rodgers went off on Tuesday uh, about the effort of some of the young receivers during a portion of the team's practice. Here's what Rodgers had to say to the assembled media. It was one of the worst card sessions we've had. Um, I don't know how you can make it any simpler. We literally have what the play would be in our terminology on the card. And the effort level is very low, uh, especially what I'm accustomed to having run that period for a number of years. So it's uh, not a good start for us on the, on the Carter period um, for the young guys. You know, I think uh, the NC has really progressed. Um, Gmo, um, obviously 16, but uh, Camaro uh, kind of piss poor. Mm. Piss poor, he says, Mark. Read into it. I like his second quote, too. He said, I'm older and grumpier. I've been at this for a long time. I'm tired, too. We're all a little tired. When you get a little tired, the fuse gets a little shorter. Amen. Everybody else was uh, kind of piss poor. <laughs> it's fair. He, he 
that quote was passed along to one of those young receivers like later in the media session. And supposedly he was like despondent and, you know, and apologetic. <laughs> and what he was talking about in terms of the carded session was Aaron Rodgers is running the scout team. And so they're trying to give the defense a certain look. He's clearly not playing in this game. So Aaron Rodgers was, was with all the third teamers and they're trying to run these scout plays to give your team another look. And you're not, you're not really doing anything. And he's, making the point obviously here you have to treat every moment and everything you're doing in that building like it's the most important thing because you're trying to help make the team better it, everything matters and you know that's that's why he's Aaron Rodgers that's why you, you got a quarterback I read into it another way this guy's still pissed that Jordy Nelson isn't his teammate anymore. No. And he's sending messages. No, don't know me. You think that's he's, why? <laughs> I think he is still annoyed that he was not part of that decision. And to, he looks at these young guys and obviously – the, These are like fourth and fifth teamers. Yeah, maybe he's motivating and all that. But also maybe a subtle message like I'm, I'm stuck training these guys while you're asking me to win a Super Bowl this year. Let's go. Where's Jordy, who's 28 years old in camp? That's oh, what they're and, saying. And all the flowery conversation coming out of Oakland – about Jordy mean. Nelson, yeah. He doesn't like hearing that. He's happy for his friend Jordy, but he's like, I want moves like 28 Jordy Nelson in this building right now. The, the most canny part of that entire thing. Come on, Greg! He decided to, <laughs> well, because those aren't the starters. He's usually I know. Cobb and Adams. But I like that he went out of his way to mention the young guys because he knows they're all going to hear this quote. So he mentioned the young guys that are in his good graces. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo, Yancey, uh, Kumaro, and Geronimo Allison. And so if you weren't one of those guys, you, banged. you know, you know. You, you know. know. Uh, moving on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are uh, looking to bounce back from a pretty miserable 2017 season. There's a second-year wideout named Chris Godwin who uh, is really having a nice camp. His speed is the type of stuff that can create plays and lead to points. That's how football works. And he's um, uh, this could be Chris Wessling. Potential bad news for Deshaun Jackson, who's supposed to be, at least last season, positioned as a uh, take-the-top-off-the-defense guy who would be a game-breaker. He's another year older, and now here's a kid who might be on his corner. This is flying really under the radar because it's the Buccaneers. If this was an NFC East team, everybody would be talking about it. But they signed Deshaun Jackson to this big deal to be sort of the, the missing piece to the offensive puzzle. And a year later, they can't take Chris Godwin off the field because he's so much more physical, which means last year they were afraid to run the ball to Deshaun Jackson's side because he's such a bad blocker. And now it opens up so much for the running game. He's making contested catches, which is not Deshaun Jackson's specialty. And they're already saying Rick Stroud, who's covered this team for, what, 30 years? Make no mistake, Chris Godwin will be starting opposite Michael Evans or uh, Mike Evans, and then Deshaun Jackson's playing more in the slot, but they also have Adam Humphreys in the slot. So how this shakes out is pretty interesting, but Chris Godwin's going to play. Well, it's great for the Bucks. Godwin, we talked about him on this show last December, really stuck out to me as a number one type of receiver. When he played because other guys were injured, there was the Week 17 game against the Saints, there was another game. He can he can do it all, and if, DeAndre, if Deshaun Jackson has the right attitude, this is great for the Bucks because ultimately – Jackson, Godwin, Humphreys, they'll all play plenty. They'll all get plenty of snaps. And instead of 
Jackson needing to be the centerpiece. Like he's more that Taylor Gabriel or Travis Benjamin, like the best version of that sort of extra just deep threat. And that's a tough team to defend. So that said, though, he's making $21 million over this season well, and next. This so is you have his to last wonder, year That's what team. I say. It's yeah, like I think that Dirk Cotter's here. Oh, we have four starting wide receivers. We couldn't be happier. But you're not going to have four next year. All right, I'll throw this out there. Who says no? d to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick, maybe a conditional third. Who says no? The issue, I think, would be cap space, right? Because in order to trade for Deshaun Jackson, who seems to be a guy leading up in October, we're going to hear a lot about him. You're going to have to have a few million under under available to take this. Can guy you on. share the hit? That's a good question. I don't know. No, it, it's going to go. I mean, any of the signing bonus money that you've already paid is going to go on the buck side. But whatever. But it, to set aside the money. Whatever his salary. Well, there is, are other teams with cap space. Guaranteed who need seven and a half this year, and he he makes eleven. I think that would make sense, but I would say no if I was the Bucks. I would hold out for a good pick just because they're trying to win this year, and I think Deshaun Jackson's still a good player. And unless he's becoming a huge pain, you're trying to win. You're trying to save your jobs unless it's like a second-round second, second round pick maybe. Uh, finally in the news, we have a, a big tag team sandwich proposition on the line involving New York Jets rookie quarterback Sam Darnold. Uh, Greg and I are on the side that Darnold will not be the week one starter. You and Wes no, you are on, oh, Wes you are on I. team West. Don't, don't put me on the losing Excuse side. Me. Don't Excuse put me, me on the losing side. Uh, Wes and I, who are unstoppable partners in Cornhole, also in sandwich wagers. Uh, so it would be considered a major upset if we lose. We have... Sam Darnold starting after week one. You gentlemen, uh, Mark and Greg, have Darnold as the week one starter. Manish Mehta for the New York Daily News, who does a nice job over there. He says that, uh, the Jet, uh, according to sources, the Jets believe Sam Darnold will earn the week one starting job. However, there's another report. Where was it from? Somebody help me out. That uh, Josh McCown has been far and away the best quarterback in camp thus far. That came from MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> that was think, actually Wes. I think that was from um, your boy, Rich, Rich Samini. <laughs> All right, Samini, who to me is the, the man uh, with the Jets. Nobody knows that team better than him. He's been covering them forever. Uh, so uh, I guess pick your reporter uh, to decide who's in the lead on this per- particular prop. Well, hold on. I think, number one, you've set this up well for yourself, Dan, because you. you can't lose. Either you lose a sandwich, oh, you got to go spend $9 on a sandwich, or if that happens, it's because Sam Darnold has surged enough in training camp in the preseason to earn that week one start and you've or got a franchise quarterback. Or they're just impatient they make him the Right, I don't start. care about who looks better. I think they're impatient. I'm not surprised Josh McCown looks better. I'm more worried about what do the Jets want and what's been clear based on the reporting from mini camps to now is they want Sam Darnold to start. And so usually when you want a guy to start, he's going to start and he sounds okay. And now they're getting into the mode where Josh McCown's kind of barely taking any snaps. You know, they're getting ready for the preseason. It's mostly Darnold and Bridgewater. It's like they know they have McCown, and, and they're only going to break him out if Darnold blows it. Winners and losers in this in this column? About a month and a half ago, I wrote a piece predicting when these quarterbacks would start. Yes. Put Darnold at week one. Hey, Ali, bomb party downstairs. Maybe a few more columns from Mark Sessler. <laughs> I have an you update for you. Features throw editor, a, like Ali. A, a random T into his name. <laughs> I have an Bur- update for you. Maybe that's why you don't get more. Bomb party, I called him. That's his nickname. Yes, Sorry, Wes. Wes. It was Ralph Vacchiano. Oh, who reported Josh McCown has been. Now, this is 
over 23 hours ago, so it's already been blown out of the water by <laughs> Manish Mehta's opinion, but has been the best quarterback in Jets camp and, quote, shows no signs of losing the grip on his job. Now, Ralphie Vax has been on the beat forever, Long going time. back to the Giants and now the Jets. So, yeah, I, you know, pick your beat writer. I, I don't trust anyone. My takeaway from going to a few of these training camp practices now, never trust any reporter's opinion about who's doing well or poorly in training camp. Unless it's Manish If they're getting – no, he's getting information from the Jets. If you're getting people from the team, hey, this is who's you're doing well. You're saying Ralph Bacchiano isn't plugged into the Jets? He's he's just using his eyes. He's yeah. How do you know what goes into that statement? I don't know. Greg, you have to feel good this. about siding with me on a sandwich I do. drop. I do. Yeah, that will end just I afraid felt- of losing a bet. <laughs> that will end well. You guys are acting scared right now. Um, we are. You're the one afraid to acknowledge that Ralphie Macchiano does reporting behind the scenes. Ralphie Vox. That's what's happening. If any of them are listening to this, I apologize for all for everyone. <laughs> In the news. All right, let's do a uh, ad read. You may or may not have heard, but Lowe's is a new home of craftsmen. Craftsmen. Always a tough word but a good word and a good company, which means that at Lowe's you'll find an ever-growing selection of mechanics, tools, tool storage, and more. You know, Greg, you still is, working on that first toolbox. It hasn't arrived I think yet. Wes is the target audience here. He's been doing a lot of work around that house. It's really coming into shape. But he has a tool set. You do not actually have a tool set. Famously. You could plug in here with Lowe's. That's why you rent. <laughs> tool storage and more in store and online, ready to help tackle projects throughout your home. It's one of those projects... If one of those projects happens to be in a really tight space to get to, then you definitely need to check out the 120-tooth ratchet. You got that, uh, Wes? A 120 ratchet? Yeah, 120 ratchet. Who doesn't? Yeah, T-bomb, I call it. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, uh, you know, it has a three-degree arc swing, you guys. Uh, did you know uh, what that does? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a wide arc that allows you to uh, you know vast uh, versatility and fix it up maneuverability. At home. We didn't either, but we do now. A three degree <laughs> arc swing means you can loosen or tighten bolts with less movement in those hard to reach spots. That is helpful, actually. That should make it easy to tackle any auto or DIY. That's do it yourself project on your list. Plus, they come in gunmetal chrome, which is masculine, beautiful. That's not only sharp looking; it makes them corrosion resistant. Cool, right? Absolutely. Shop the new home of Craftsman today at Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. All right. It's time uh, for our favorite NFL documentary series of all time. (laughs) Hard Knocks. I wish I could talk like... um, Any of the narrators? The narrator. Well, there's only one. Well, Paul Rudd did it one season. The Chiefs season. It's Leif Shriver. Fun fact. Right? Leif Shriver has done it every other season. What gravitas. Nice gig. Right? It is. Yeah. Saw Leif Shriver in a bookstore in New York City once, perusing the magazine section. Good actor, you know? Nice actor. Underrated. Very good at Scream. <laughs> um, all right. Yes, the Cleveland Browns are the focus this season of Hard Knocks. And, uh, and so much to unpack because, yes – the hard knocks, even when the team isn't that compelling a pick, NFL Films does such a nice job picking um, different things to dig into, and they make it good. With the Browns, Greg, there is no shortage of topics to dig into, and we saw that right off the bat in the premiere. It's crazy that they are a na- the Browns are a national team right now in a way that they weren't you know, five or six years ago when they were almost as bad, but somehow just more forgettable. I guess it's the one in 31 
thing and that people want to see turn around. But it's also the personalities and just like the, the Sashi and the approach that they really it's like they feel like they're one of the most popular teams in terms of just conversation, which really makes no sense since they're so terrible. I feel like Manziel probably got them there to some degree because it, it wasn't just the name, but it was all the chaos and the constant drama. And then on top of it, you get this record setting law. It number one with hard knocks for me. I, I it's I don't think they're all equal. They're all they all have their special moments, but the setup for this one, and I'm not saying this is someone that follows the Browns, is unique for hard knocks because we've never seen a team come yes. out of a season like this and the season before and the two decades before. You want to see transformation. And they're trying to say, we're this team that's changed our character. And we're changing our culture. And now we're going to find out if that's true. And I think there's evidence to suggest that a little bit of it's true, but there's people inside the building that don't believe it's true too, which makes for compelling TV. Let me start by just like laying a little groundwork of the scene. And um, so I, I, for the last seven years now, I've been writing the recaps on NFL.com. So I have a whole process when I sit in front of my couch and, and, you know, take notes on the show. I'm shazamming songs that are playing. I got a whole thing going on. But Mark asked me to come over. Uh, of course, Mark was welcome. He wanted to watch Hard Knocks because HBO's streaming decisions are questionable. Like you wouldn't be able to watch the show until the next day. Mark needed to see it in real time. He had to tweet to his followers and all those things. And when Mark came, when People Mark just like can't go to sleep yet, Mark. Hasn't <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If that, I'm not sure that need bit. is out there. But yeah, when Mark, when I opened the door and saw Mark like walking toward me, I could see that you how nervous you were for this. So I want the first question I want to ask and anybody that listens to this pod knows why Mark was nervous because Mark is a little sensitive about how the Browns are portrayed and is afraid of people getting new and the media and fans getting new ammunition watching the first episode. I want to know you coming out of it, Mark, how did you feel? Were you, were your nerves justified? I think so because I, I mean, look, I think there were things about it where, there, I I think that overall it could uh, in the in the one to ten category it was a solid seven where for me some things uh, made me feel like the the Browns were the right team for this and there's things about the Browns to like and there are things that I left very concerned about too which we can dig into. Let's get into it. What is, I mean what for me the, the 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 turning point in the episode the backdrop is that Hugh Jackson has lost in the course of a couple of weeks, his brother and his mom. And, and anyone else in any most professions would vanish from work for multiple weeks and go deal with that family situation. And I think what, we, what Hard Knocks does a good job of is you look behind the scenes is head coaches and coaches in general are not afforded that opportunity in the middle of a training camp. And so Hugh Jackson, I mean, before about three quarters of the way through the episode when he finally addresses this grief, when a couple people from the team... John Dorsey, their PR guy, come in and say, come on, man, you got it. Let's, let's have a hug and let's deal with this human side of things. He breaks down. But before that, he's trying to navigate these meetings and tr- navigate practice. And I don't know if we're getting the full 100% Hugh Jackson, but I think he got ensnared in a couple meetings. And one, it's uh, Hugh Jackson is. The contrast, and I'll, I'm sorry to be so long-wid- long-winded, is the contrast in the meeting between Hugh Jackson's plan for resting players and then you have this is this whole culture. We're going to be a hard, you know, we're going to be a hard team. We're going to be a different team. And I always talked about it last year. The sit, you know, enough with the nice, calm Browns. Stand up and be braggy. 
right? Remember I talked about yes, that as a joke. It's like enough with all the charity work and, I, and, I, and I, charity work is nice, but stand up and start punching some teams around. Now you have guys like Todd Haley that with the Steelers blew the Browns up for half a decade, comes in and basically calls out Hugh Jackson and the Browns are saying, we are resting players. We have so far to go. Right, backs to, coach did too. Yeah. Right, we have to show these guys the rigors of the league, put them in there now and make this happen. And right away you saw this philosophical butting of heads. That is what left me the most concerned, and I think many others let's, too. Let's go right before that scene. Uh, and Wes, I want to know your thoughts on this. Right before that scene, you get what is probably the the biggest scene for a lot of people was Jarvis Landry, uh, who came over in a trade from Miami, and he's picking up on the same thing that running backs coach was. I love the running backs coach's name. What is it again? Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens and Haley both broached something that Jarvis Landry brings up in a wide receivers meeting. He sees guys not practicing, and he thinks it's an epidemic that has helped uh, hurt the Browns for has hurt the Browns for years. Let's hear what Jarvis Landry had to say. Your hair shouldn't falling off the bone. Your leg ain't broke. Bone. Your leg ain't broke. I don't know. Like you should be practicing. Like straight up. Like that is weakness, and that is contagious as. And that ain't gonna be in this room, bro. That been here in the past, and that's why the past has been like it is, bro. That is over with here, bro. If you can practice, practice. You can't get no better. Ain't nobody gonna get better by being on the sideline if you ain't hurt. Wes, when uh, Landry brings this up with teammates, when the running backs coach and Haley uh, broach it with Hugh Jackson, what were your thoughts on how Jackson handled it? He immediately went Game of Thrones in in the meeting with the coaches. When you sit in this chair, that's what matters. And he made he said that statement three or four times. From this chair, and this is the chair that matters. And to me, it seems like awfully early in the season to be going power play on your coaches. And I, to me, so the Browns aren't just your normal team trying for a turnaround. There are ghosts in that building. And you have to eradicate the ghost before you can turn it around. And this episode is teeming with ghosts. It, it, Jarvis Landry well said. Sh- should not be the guy standing up in the wide receiver's room. If this was a... But he's the veteran, so he sort of has to. Okay, let, let me finish. If this is a contending team, you've got somebody with a much greater resume than Jarvis Landry who is coming from another team. And let me check my notes here. The Miami Dolphins are not a playoff contender. They are not a model organization. Jarvis Landry took the money and came to Cleveland. To me, he lacks gravitas, and I know a lot of people love that speech. I learned on playing on teams to tune out the swearers and the shouters and the screamers, I didn't buy into that speech, and I didn't buy into much of what the Cleveland Browns are doing in this episode. I do buy into Baker Mayfield, though. The the fact that he was making the speech, to me, just kind of speaks to their roster because they literally don't have another receiver on the roster who's ever done anything at the NFL level. Josh Gordon's not there. He's the, I don't think, like, so it's a bunch of young guys. If Jarvis agent. Landry knows how to work, he knows how to compete, he knows how to be a professional. And so And those guys don't even know him because he's a free agent. But so so that, like if a guy came on to my team and I'm in that room, that speech is not going I, over well. Who are you to come in here and you, act like you that? You want guys like that? The my takeaway and this is before and Hugh Jackson losing his it was it was so sad and and I did wonder 
like I do think some coaches would would have left, in fact, and some have in the past. So that was a decision. You I know, mean, he, he also has hard knocks cameras right. on him too. You, so you, it's a decision that he made. It was also, but that was before camp. That was that was, I believe, during the OTAs. But even before that happened, because that to me was different. His emotions. I I was thinking like Hugh Jackson's a good guy. He's obviously a good guy. Maybe that's why he's in the job still because the Haslam's believe he's a good guy and they don't want to send him on his way losing, you know, after 0-16. But I, I was watching and I'm thinking, why why is he still the coach? Because he seems beaten down. Uh, he just seems a little beaten down that he's almost trying to, you know, convince convince everyone that it's okay. He's almost trying to convince. How can he not be beaten down after the last couple of years? Right. It's how do you work your way out of that? Right. And, and when there's, especially when there's a new general manager there, it, that that, it just sticks out to me more that like, it's a strange. It's a strange fit that you have this new GM and sort of a new regime, but then you still have Hugh there it, that that has the effects of last season. And Todd Haley, I couldn't as that was going on. I, first of all, I thought it was calculated and kind of fascinating that Haley challenged Hugh Jackson, knowing the cameras on the mics are on, and then watching uh, Haley's face while Jackson was doing the "This is my bus routine" and thinking to myself, like, what does Todd Haley think? And I know Todd Haley was a head coach, and it didn't really work out, but he's had a lot of success in his career at different stops, and he's like, and I'm wondering if this is something a lot of these coaches are thinking and maybe not saying is, I'm gonna, I'm supposed to follow you. You're the one in 31 guy. You're the you're the own 16 guy. You're the jumping in the lake guy. Like you're supposed to be the guy that I I'm going to take you at your word. And I thought that was kind of like the big overarching like uh, aspect of that premiere, which is here's the Browns. Here's the hard land. Here is the we are starting over. We spent a ton of money. We brought in the new quarterback. We got the new GM. We are turning things around here. But do you have the wrong guy? Uh, in driving the bus and and does he do the players believe in him do the coaches respect him and i think that's a major subplot when, around when todd haley said if we live in our fears that which is a mike tomlin line which but it, it was a but good it's, it's a good line I, it was a good line just because i don't, maybe i'm so psychoanalyzing too much but you see hugh jackson as a guy that you know, might be living. You know, living in his fear. He's living in last. He still has the effect of last. Well, and I think that's the mentality of Brent, of the fan base too, and and the beat reporters to some degree, and the coaching staff and the players is what's going to go wrong next. And it's Haley that came out on that practice field, and he sees Corey Coleman, who's been coddled over two seasons not performing well, and he's not used to that. He's used to seeing Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and the rest of the Pittsburgh Steelers roster go out and do their jobs, and he called Coleman out. I thought it was a great moment. It's this one guy that came from somewhere else that is his culture of winning, looking at what's happening around him, saying, listen, it's not that it can't be done, but we have to do it, he said, drastically differently. Uh, can we also, my, I name a Hard Knocks MVP every season, one episode in, it's our friend uh, Carl Nassib, who, <laughs> who is a, a character. I'll, I'll put it that way, uh, defensive end, who we meet him giving a probably an unsolicited uh, financial tutorial to his fellow defensive lineman that's met with muted response. Let's get a, uh, a, a quick glimpse into uh, Nassib as a financial guy. Who here knows what compound interest is? This is real. Financial advisors are everywhere, okay? They'll take your money and they'll take 1% of everything you got. You're like, oh, it's 1%. It doesn't matter. Probably. I know it matters. It That's matters. Why I it matters a lot. Because if you learn to yourself, you can make billion dollars. We got a lot of money right now, right? 
This is the easiest equation to make you rich. You have a million dollars, and after seven years of getting 10% on that money every single year, okay, you're making money off of it, you're gonna double it after seven years. So you double your money every seven years for 42 years, you get 64 times your original money. So you got a million dollars, you can end up with 64 million dollars by the time you retire. Nice. If you don't turn that <laughs> nice. Listen, Miles has got <laughs> 30 million dollars. Okay, so let's say, let's say, Yo, had that billionaire by the time he was so hold on i'm gonna ask you this again so you telling me bro it's crazy it's crazy i swear to god no you don't believe that miles garrett not paying attention at all miles garrett struck me as the guy in the room that's thinking yeah i learned this in eighth grade before the concert i was like i need to buy a rollie so she knows i got it and that carl nassib oh that's that's enough carl by the way, our title card knocked this out if you're watching the video show, but they pan back at one point, and I think it's Chris Smith, the defensive end, is is just sitting there quietly eating a giant <laughs> plate of mussels yeah, while the speech mussels. is going on. I've never seen anyone do anything close to that before. Uh, so Carl Nassim giving advice and said that he, when he went to meet Taylor Swift at a concert... Uh, was gonna wear a roll buy a Rolex to impress her, but said, "Uh-uh, that doesn't fit into my compound interest model." Mm. Before I got married, we took a. Where's financial- that guaranteed ten percent? By the way, that that Carl doesn't really spell that out. Just like, yeah, you just well, sign no, up for his, the ten percent. No, that's a sound. Look, they they get the they get they have the money off the bat. Number one, but it's like number. Here's a, I, before I got married, we took a financial class where like someone sat you down for like over the course of three weekends. How'd that go? Well, it's we obviously not listened very well. Let's put sorry there, but they had the exact same lesson. So to Greg's point, these, these this Carl Nassib did not cook this up out of thin air, but he's passing it on. Yeah, uh, they teach you in freshman year of high school. I don't remember that in freshman year of high school at all. I mean, I was awful with money. So. Um, okay, so there's the the first episode recap. Uh, we'll be tracking the show, of course, as it goes on at, at every wow. Tuesday through September fourth. Uh, and yes, you could read my hard knocks recaps at NFL.com/slash/Hansus. Okay, before we end our Browns conversation, though, it's time for the preseason spotlight presented by New Era. The Browns and Giants kick off their respective preseason schedules with a matchup this week. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, what are you looking forward to out of that game? Two quarters of Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield made a great impression on the show. You certainly saw some of his great throws. It also reminded me of why Tyrod Taylor is there that I do think it was, like, worth sending that draft pick just to have another professional in the building, like almost as an example, like that's incalculable for Baker Mayfield, but getting to see how he plays. I mean, like I'm, I'm, that's the only thing I care about in the preseason is rookie quarterbacks. I think it's the, it's really that it's that position, but it's also, I think you can gauge running backs in the preseason too. We've seen that with veterans. I think a couple of years ago, Wes, Mark Ingram got on your spotlight early on. It's, it's always one or two guys, but how about Saquon Barkley? I just wonder what, how much we'll see of him. And he's been, talked about is this evolutionary guy that's going to change the position and that's a lot of pressure and Quadzilla. I don't I don't really care about what happens in 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 this game necessarily for him alone but you want to see something you want to see some flash of that some highlight that comes out that makes us say yes the giants are interesting finally first two picks in the draft it's a chance to see both of them there you go uh that was preseason spotlight <laughs> presented by new era all right let's move on it's time to welcome a guest to the show uh, he is a NFL reporter based in the UK, host for Sky Sports TV, Inside the Huddle podcast, NFL Live UK events. This man is everywhere. He is the NFL in the UK. <laughs> Neil Reynolds, friend of the show. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. 
thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying my last few weeks of you know, kind of being the guy here in the UK because I, I hear you guys are on on your way over and that's it. It'll be all over by then. This has been, it's been a, a concerted effort that's really gone on for several years. How do we take over? And uh, yeah, now we're about to hit, like the, the ground troops are hitting uh, the mainland in England. I know. I thought you guys were, you know, I had you kind of a safe distance, sort of 6,000 <laughs> miles away from London and, and I felt comfortable. I, th- I felt okay. You know, every now and then I'd come to the US and, uh, you know, we invite you onto the stuff we do at Super Bowls, but wow, you're coming to my neck of the woods. I, it's going to be, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I feel like it. It's hard to get much more intimate than right now. Uh, people listening to this on the audio podcast, but we have you up on video, and we're in your kitchen. You have a very nice sink, uh, good mug collection. We we've seen. Like I feel like <laughs> I know what the Reynolds here. live Take like. A look at this. Look at this ceramic look mug, this. apparently made by Henry Hodgson, according to reports. <laughs> for you, very, very beautiful nice. design. This was uh, this was made made by my son, but I think it was it's a good it's a good sort of seven or eight years old. I have my morning coffee in that. I didn't realize you could see all of the sink. I should have tied it up beforehand. Mrs. Reynolds will not be pleased. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as, as many of you listeners know, we will be in London uh, for the lead up to week one and, uh, and through week one. So we're really excited. Uh, we're going to be joining Neil doing stuff with Sky Sports TV while we're there, including a, a live show and all sorts oh. of fun stuff. Is this is this <laughs> everything to you? Are you comfortable with this, Neil? I'll sign off on it. Yeah, okay. it'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's going to be great. We, you know, obviously we want to make a big deal about the whole uh, week of kickoff and big event in London, and to have you guys be a part of it is going to be really, really special. And for us on uh, on Sky to have you kind of involved all through that that first Sunday show, we'll have uh, Rob Bryan and Solomon Wilcox in Ooh. the studio. Uh, to have you guys in the studio as well is going to be. Uh, is going to be so much fun. The only problem will be for the following twenty weeks after that, when I've got you just on Skype, it's going to we're going to be we'll have been a bit spoiled a bit early. Well, when you, you when say you that get, now. When you guys do your production <laughs> meetings, you're getting this whole thing together, and you're kind of here's the four people coming over. Which one of us? is talked about um, as, you know, someone that might create a bit of a disturbance in the streets, someone that might not fit well into <laughs> British society. <laughs> I I mean, just looking at you guys, I, I think I think Greg goes in kind of low and hard in his street fights. So, um, <laughs> that was, I think that's the right answer. I think that's the right answer. <laughs> Low man wins and all that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, Neil, uh, yeah, so we, that's all coming up. We're so excited. But you are also uh, somebody that, because you're one of the key guys over at Sky when it comes to NFL coverage, arguably the man, Rich, Rich Eisen-like in your presence over there. You, have been, you were dispatched to uh, America to cover multiple camps. Uh, and we talked about it before that you visited the Tennessee camp, the Chargers camp, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. Do you want to share anything from any of those uh, trips that kind of jumped out to you? I know you got to talk to quarterbacks, head coaches. They set you up nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things in each of those. So, I mean, yeah, I started off on the in New York. I did some interviews at the XFL offices with Oliver Luck, and then I flew that night to Nashville. I did the Titans on the Friday, the Chargers on the Saturday, Raiders on the Sunday, and the Seahawks on the Monday. So it was from New wow. York to Seattle in, in five days. But, you know, it's just going order. In, in Nashville, I was very impressed with Mike Vrabel, really hands-on. He kind of puts on the the blocking pads and plays the part of the blitzing linebacker. I was very impressed with him. Uh, great to sit with Philip Rivers uh, in Los Angeles. And, you know, he talked about how he still plays the game and loves the game like he's a 10-year-old. 
when I sat with Gruden, I thought Gruden was just box office. There's certain levels of interviews you do in the NFL. I've sat and interviewed Tom Brady. Um, that felt like that when I sat down with John Gruden and, you know, he was very, very honest. I said, why have you got, I looked down the roster while I'm watching practice. I said, you've got 10 guys on your roster with 10 years or more experience. And I said, why is that? Is there a reason outside of the fact that they're just good football players? And he said, we don't have any players. He said, we missed on too many drafts. We don't have any players and we kind of can't wait for rookies, which was, I thought, quite refreshing and quite honest. And then I went to Seattle and obviously they're talking all about the fresh start and what's new. And uh, Pete Carroll said it kind of goes in cycles and it feels fresh. It feels like it was four or five years ago. And I talked about leaders. I asked about leaders and he said, when you've got Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin on offense, what more do you need? And he said, on defense, when you've got Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright on defense, what more do you need? And I was dying to sort of go, maybe Earl Thomas, but <laughs> I thought it, it, it was it was an indication. It was almost like a sort of very subtle shot fired at Earl Thomas. Mm. Mm, do, you, do you get the sense, though, in Seattle especially, because, yes, it's a new wave and a new start, that Pete Carroll is in it for the long haul? Because there were whispers over the last couple of the years that Pete Carroll might be deciding to walk away at some point. Is he there for another five, six years to see this thing through? To me, it felt like when you when you look at what they talk about Pete Carroll's message and if his message gets old, and we heard the stories of Michael Bennett reading books in team meetings and Sherman said they kind of lost their way. It felt it felt felt to me like you know they're bringing in all these young guys. They're I mean, Russell Wilson was throwing to players on practice field, and I'm looking at the roster trying to work out who that who they are. You know, it, it was it was a bunch of no names. But Pete was very excited to deliver that same message. So, so I, the way I see that is they're very much committed to Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, and they're going to deliver the same message to a new bunch of players. Um, you, By the way, you mentioned John Gruden. Uh, you called him box office. Now, we're, again, we're going to England. I want to be up in the know about what all like the British terms that are popping right now. Is box office mean kind of like star power? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it does. If you, okay. okay, good. Listen, if you want to get all the hip and trendy terms, I am not the man to come to. I'm telling you now. We can I will tell you. We can teach you about John, Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you a John Gruden story. So um, my producer, Alex Mason, who you know from Sky Sports. Of course, Sport, big Oasis uh, fan. I like that guy. Yeah. He won't appreciate me telling you this, but we were uh, we were chatting, chatting with John Gruden. We finished the interview, and uh, John Gruden – um, asks for some phrases that he can use when he's over in England. So I say, uh, let's all go for a cup of tea. And Alex Mason says, no, you need to say, let's go down the pub for a pint. So Gruden loved that. At the end, he goes to fist. So he fist bumps me. Yeah. And then he goes to fist bump Alex Mason as well, who got completely flustered. Oh. So he shook the hand. Oh, oh no. Oh, this... Honestly, couldn't have been more Englishmen abroad. <laughs> That's brutal. That's brutal. Now you're never going to get that moment back. Like that was it, you no. know? Yeah. And he, he kind of, you know, we sort of practiced afterwards, but it was no. training. Alex, Alex, Alex will not the be most thrilled British about thing this. ever is that you practice. It's not that he messed it up. It's that you practiced it after the fact, just among the two. I of found you. In, uh, <laughs> get better. it's not the same, but like if you are work for the NFL, if you're hanging out, 
with maybe you're with a couple of different people on the NFL Network side and a player. And then the player gives maybe a colleague, colleague who's a, a former player, like the three-step bro handshake hug. And then you roll in like the nerdy white journalist guy. And you, you, yep. you're you caught in between. And I just go in hard and stiff with the Fish handshake. Fish out of water, yeah. Because I, I don't want to get it, get into the, the waters of the triple-step <laughs> shake because I know I won't be able to pull it off. Similar See, I, I know that. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I know there's the first bit of the handshake and then you kind of go to that bit and then I never know the third bit. So I just do that bit and then kind of meander off to the side. So, but, you know, the fist bump was a new one for us. Uh, box office. Wow. Like Neil is box office, by the way. No doubt. That's the way we look at it. There was a lot of football talk as well, but, you know, we just were focusing mainly on the handshakes <laughs> in the end. I have a question about London. You know, we've heard over the last few years that this – Saturday Fan Fest before the games over there get like 500,000 people. Is that true? It's like, what's I tell you, will you get nervous? No, I just, <laughs> yes, I'm I impressed. Mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, well, well, like 500,000 people oh in one space. Well, for our listeners, before we ask you, Neil, like just to give some background, you've been working at growing the sport of American football in in the UK for how long? Like you've been, you know, helping to run NFL UK. You also, you know, used to work for Henry Hodgson way back in the day. You you also publish a magazine. Like how have how long has that process been and like how has it changed in that entire span? Yeah, so I mean I started covering the the NFL full time in nineteen ninety seven and I worked for NFL Europe from two thousand to two thousand and six. The, there were some dark days around the time when NFL Europe was was being played in London in the late nineteen nineties. We would be five minutes from kickoff at a game in Crystal Palace uh, and there'll be like a thousand people in there and you've got Kurt Warner on the field warming up. So it has, it's grown ridiculously. I mean, back then, I would never have believed we could have what we've got now. Three games a year this year, uh, four games per year in previous seasons. Um, there are a generation of fans over the last decade who only know regular season games being played in London. I saw the other side of it, the darker side of it. Um, so every time I'm, I'm always so appreciative uh, of that opportunity to be in front of all of those fans when they take over Regent Street or uh, Piccadilly this time when they're out at the tailgate parties. We have come a long way. And, um, you know, no shameless plug. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the magazine. There it oh, is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For audio listeners. Neil. Gridiron magazine. Neil, back in the day, during these dark days when Kurt Warner was playing in front of eight, 900 people, were you living in this posh house in this nice – were you were you more like living in like youth hostel? Youth <laughs> How do you know hostel? it's posh? It looks beautiful no, to me. he's right. Mark's right. I mean, were he's you just – were you, were you camped out in like youth hostels and low-rent sort of motel rooms trying to just get by as a – British football journalist, kind of a rugged lifestyle. I'd like to read a novella about that. <laughs> Not a full novel, no. like maybe a hundred pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go silly with it. Uh, I actually live just around the corner, but uh, about oh. fifty yards around the corner. But I kind of, I can reveal it was a much smaller house. Okay, Neil, that's dramatic. Um, but Neil, uh, you should real. be aware that it's Mark's ultimate dream to live in a youth hostel full time. So that <laughs> that informs that question a little bit. Um, all My right, worst nightmare, Neil. <laughs> Neil, uh, thank you for joining us. We're so excited uh, uh, to bring our show to your shores. It's really something we've been uh, trying to do for years, and I know you and uh, everybody over there who has helped us, we're really excited. So thank you so much, and you could follow uh, Neil on Twitter, at Neil Reynolds NFL, and, um, and of course, Sky Sports TV is going to have, uh, if you're on that side of the pond, you know that's where you go 
for NFL coverage. So thank you, Neil. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure, guys. I'll see you in uh, build up to week one. Love it. See you, Neil. There he goes. Neil Reynolds uh, of Sky Sports and all other endeavors football related in the UK. Uh, We will be back uh, on Friday uh, with uh, another episode of the Around the NFL podcast. So much more to get to, Mark, because we are grinding now. It is. Can I do one little shout out? One little shout out? Yes. I believe I found a family member uh, that I did not know about out in the uh, middle of Illinois. Okay. Uh, found her on Twitter, Kayla Sessler. Okay. And she is a star on Teen Mom 2 on MTV. What? Um, a very young teen woman that has a child named Isaiah. So A young t- teen woman? She's on MTV, Teen Mom 2. Wait, so this isn't the, the daughter that you occasionally see at a random bar in Los Angeles. No, it's, that, not, that it's, not, my, it's not my lost daughter. It's, actually, it's a separate uh, individual. Is this a bit? No, this is I, I actually cross-checked this with Eric Tiamposi, who has seen the show and uh, is unsure but potentially has seen oh, okay. this individual as well. Maybe we could effort, Lindsay, we could effort to get Lindsay Sessler on the show. Uh, Kayla Sessler Kayla is Sessler. her name. <laughs> that, I'm sorry to disrespect a family member. Just saying, it's out there and it's, you and know. Maybe she could use help. Teen moms, they could use That's help. what I'm saying. There might be a necessary. Financial help. Maybe you give up that back shed. If she's on TV, then it's going to be the other way around. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. We're talking to Bitcoin princess over here, so <laughs> you might be right. Uh, I always triple source. Oh, you do. Ooh. That's as a good producer should. All right, let's go. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, uh, The Mailman, The Old Boss, and The Bitcoin Princess. Maybe like we finally have a nickname. Oh. Behind the glass. <laughs> not bad at all. Till Friday, TGIF. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.